You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls? Hang up the phone, prank caller, prank caller! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today, so we'll start off with Randy. Hi, Ryan. This is Randy from Minnesota. Hood up. Oh, my God. I've had to take some time after that game to kind of think about it. Um, where to start? What a bunch of over-officiating jerks. So many bad calls, but we should have been able to overcome it. I don't think Jordan Love is the issue myself. So many passes were right there. People dropped them. That's not his fault. It's not his fault that Aaron Jones only got seven attempts. Dylan got six, I believe. I don't know. Maybe it is the coaching. I hate to say it. I've always been a LaFleur fan, but something's got to give. Um, I see him getting to the end of the season. If he don't turn it around, I believe he's gone. I hope they retain Goose because I think he's done a great job with selecting players. Anyway, that's just my two cents worth. Um, we'll see how it goes on Sunday. It'll get better. It always does. Go Pack Go. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to officiate sort of who's the biggest issue. I mean, even if we concede that Jordan had some good throws, there there can't be any person that watched that game and thought that he was generally, you know, I, don't, I don't even know exactly how to say it because I'm sure people would agree with it, but um, there there isn't much right now that's salvageable would be my overall thought. I mean, the offensive line is kind of a question of, okay, who who kind of do we have? Even Elton Jenkins is becoming a big question. Not that he's going to be replaced because he's not, at least not any time in the super near future. Got bigger fish to fry than him, and, you know, he just signed a big contract, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, again, the, the, the Aaron Jones thing, as I've said, is due to injury. That's the reason he's not running as much. It's the reason he's not out there as much. And it, it ultimately doesn't matter. I mean, there there isn't a thing we could do that would have been better. I mean, we, we could run the ball more, but do we think that that would have helped us win the game? There's no way. I mean, everybody's furious with how pathetic the run blocking is. So what do you do? Do you pass? Do you run? What what other options are there? We've tried run heavy. It doesn't work. We've tried pass heavy. It doesn't work. Team's just bad, man. So, um, we're we're pretty close to being on the same page and again and ultimately i do agree at the end of the day if this doesn't get turned around um i don't know where the the front office is at and i'm not going to make sweeping statements or, or any bold statements about definitively he has to go because no he doesn't i mean they, they could certainly say 
No, they can put him on notice like they do with McCarthy, where it's like you get sort of this one year to prove that that was a fluke, like to fix that. Now, that might not be any of our preference because we're looking at it going, bro, this has been like a couple, this, that, that was year two of what the heck is going on here. 2022 and 2023 were both years where we're throwing up our hands going, why isn't anyone playing? Like up to their own personal standards. Forget nobody's getting better. Everybody's regressing. But, um, I mean, it, it's already on the table, but if this continues, it has to be kind of front and center um, in terms of, are we seriously going to try to run this back? Because I don't know, again, exactly how much we could call it salvageable at this point. Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. I'm, uh, I'm sure you got a million calls coming in here, and they're all basically Good saying the same thing, but I figured I would give my two cents anyway. Um, so here's uh, here's my thing. I, I didn't watch the game. Um, still still thought I was cursed, but apparently they're going to play like whether I watch or not. <laughs> so uh, I can't I can't really decide if I should or should not watch. But just from like getting the updates on my phone, reading the news lines, and you know listening to your podcast, I can tell. I think More the same. we need to just bite that bullet that none of us want to admit, and say that taking Jordan Love may have been a mistake. Um, he had all the upsides, he, he got the, the tools and the tool belt, but you know what, sometimes having the tools doesn't mean you know how to use the tools. You know, you could, you could give me a pile of every tool known to man and you can say, build me a house and I'm not going to be able to build you a very, very good house. It's going to look like And that's what we're seeing right now. It looks like Now there's all kinds of blame to go around. Let's not pretend that Jordan is the only problem. He has, he was, you know, last couple weeks, but it's starting to look like just like you said, it's just kind of, it's bad all the way down. And I, my problem with this team um, kind of remains the same. I think Matt LaFleur, I love his scheme. I, I love him as a, as a play caller and everything, but he is a gigantic quivering. <laughs> and that's a problem. That's not what I want as a head coach. You know, if he was the offensive coordinator and he was just doing the play calling, like that would be fine. But you need, in a head coach, you need one of those guys that can, can, you know, rally the troops and he can, and you know, the guy who's going to come to practice after a loss and he's going to be a, d- and he's going to make you run. He's going to make you do push-ups. He's going to be screaming in your face. You know, look at, look at Lions head coach. Like he gets way more out of that team every year than they almost always have in talent because he's that kind of guy. We have none of those. Like even our defensive coordinator is kind of a. Like I just, and I hate to use that language, but there's really no other word that. Just... You know, it's funny because you're, you're going through it, and I'm. I mean, you know, I I don't care. Say whatever you want to say, but um, I just hearken back to our talks about, you know, being offensive and being careful with our language. This is a while ago, but it just uh, it's not what I expected from Nate necessarily. Prides it appropriately, like they're just they're spineless. They they're all spineless. And so many of the players on this team are spineless. You know, nobody, we've got what, Rashawn and Razul maybe? Those are the two guys that'll come out and they'll crack your head. But two players out of 22, like, I'm sorry, Jair. Jair's a little bit of a um, constantly hurt, doesn't really seem to get hyped up unless he is already playing good. And, you know, you need to still be hyping up and have that mentality even when there's tough moments. So that's a long way of saying I, I want to start getting some, some boys, some big men on this team who aren't afraid to go out and hit someone and who are going to play because they love the game of football and they're, you know, they're not just a technician 
who's out there trying to play chess when everybody else is playing football. Yeah, he got perfectly cut off at the three minutes there. I just want to, before we get to part two for Nate, um, fill in some of the blanks. I mean, I'm, I'm on the same page with you, I think, across the board. Um, with all that, we, we need some dogs on this team. And, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd made a comment about the Bears and, and their swagger and all that being paper thin. And as soon as things get tough, they're going to crumble, and that's exactly what happened. And it feels like the Packers are that way, and they kind of have been for a long time. Going back into the, you know, mid-teens, whatever, with uh, McCarthy. And I mentioned it before, like, when, when, when they come out and they're just destroying people, man, they're flying high. But you get that one game where the offense just isn't moving, and Rodgers gets frustrated, and everything just collapses. It just collapses. Like, where did that mentality of, we're better than you, we're going to destroy you, go? It just disappeared. Because it's almost kind of fake. It's like, as long as I'm winning, I'm the man. But if we start losing, I'm going to go pout. And they're going to talk trash, and I'm just going to lower my head and walk away. You can't just let go like that. You can't just give up. This has been a cultural thing for the Packers for a long time. And you, you look at some of these really good teams. I mean, like the Kansas City Chiefs, how many times on those like Super Bowl runs did they get like destroyed in the first half, in the playoffs? It'll be the AFC Championship game against the, I don't know, Bengals or the Ra- Ra- Ravens or whatever. And the team goes up like 24-3, just annihilates them. And, and you're thinking, oh, there goes the Chiefs. And the Chiefs come out and they just freaking destroy the team. Like they're, they're just flying all over the field. They, they, they don't quit. And that's that's the Tom Brady thing. Like they're they're a machine. They're not emotional. I mean, he he shows emotion. He shows anger. He shows excitement. But he's a freaking Terminator. He, he it, I mean, it just. I mean, it's it's this. And understand that Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity, or remorse, or fear, and it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead i mean that's it that's tell me a championship team that doesn't have that mentality an elite player that doesn't have that mentality doesn't matter what down it is doesn't matter what the score is it's that i don't get tired i don't feel remorse i will not stop we don't have that we get punched in the mouth and we crumble it's a mentality so you know it's one thing to say that you have the players it's another thing for the players to play up to their potential. And, you know, it's funny because there's been a lot of talk about Jair, and somebody posted a clip recently about Jair when he played against the Rams, that that one game I'm sure we all remember where he was just at his absolute best. And I watched him play, and it was almost as if, like, oh, yeah, I remember when he used to play like that. Like, he was noticeable all the time, and he was so twitchy, and he was just, he was all over. Like, he he played like a psychopath. I mean, he, he was nuts. And... I mean, I guess I don't know that he's not doing that. I just, I feel like he's just a general corner now. Like, he, he just seems like he just kind of fades into the, you know, he, he runs the routes and does the things. And it's not like this just, I don't know. I don't know. I shouldn't say that if I'm not going to go back and, and check because it's hard to see the corner sometimes. But I just, I saw that Rams game and immediately was like, dude, I, I forgot he used to play like that. And I feel like I haven't seen that in a long time. And then, uh, yeah, as far as Jordan Love, I mean, again, there's there's two parts to this. Number one is process, which again, I, I, as I've said, is is important. It, it is an important piece, whether people want to admit it or not. But the the there is still an element of producing, right? From a statistical standpoint, the idea of somebody just hitting all the time is impossible. It's 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 like betting in the stock market. We pretend there's a lot more strategy involved than there actually is. And from that standpoint, process is significantly more important. But there is still an evaluation piece, and the fact of the matter is, they they 
felt as though they had a guy and they were wrong. And, and you got to take that one on the chin. It just is what it is, especially when you had Jalen Hurts there. And, and again, nobody really saw him as a first round pick, but he was there. He was available. And, you know, I, 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 I don't want to necessarily say that I'm, I'm done with Jordan Love and, and to say that it was definitively a bad pick. But if this continues, um, that that is the reality. And again, I don't really have a problem, but it's just it, if nothing else, it's unfortunate that there were how many quarterbacks, five quarterbacks taken and four of them we know are very good quarterbacks who are very successful in the NFL right now. I mean, the Chargers are struggling, but it's not a result of their quarterback. It's a talented quarterback. And Joe Burrow is, is I mean, he's really struggling with injuries, but he is about as good as there is in the NFL if he can just overcome some of the struggles with injuries. Tua is lighting the world on fire, and Jalen was in the Super Bowl. Again, it, it, there, there's process and evaluation, and they both matter. And even if we go heavy process, you know, A.J. Dillon was bad process. Quay Walker's bad process. So on on I think some people are way too hard and unrealistic and have way too unrealistic expectations, right? They'll make a list of look at all these misses, and most of them are not misses. They're they're adequate starters. But again, I mean you you have to do more than that to really get me to to be swayed. And I could do the work myself. It's just it's not interesting doing it every time somebody wants to throw Brian Gutekunst to my face. And the fact of the matter is the hit rate is just not as high as many people think. And if you get rid of Gutekunst and bring somebody else in, how much does it move the needle? The answer is probably not very much at all. That doesn't mean that you can't do a better job. And, and maybe there's other aspects of process, which I think is where most fans get upset, which is, you know, he's not aggressive enough or whatever the case is. You know, we should have went and got a wide receiver, this, that, or the other. My, my real fear, though, is there's there's a major segment of the fan base that really just wants to get away with the from the Packers process. They want to get far away from the Ron Wolf way of doing things. And again, I, I don't, what scares me is getting thrown out into no man's land. This has been a process that has protected the organization for a long time and has served them very well. And no, it's not just on the back of quarterbacks. That is wildly disrespectful to the unbelievable amount of Hall of Fame level players that would have come through Green Bay. You leave this process and go follow some other, you know, process that is just feeding your appetites and you're feeding your stomach. You end up like the Jets and the Browns and, and all these other organizations. You look like the Cardinals who draft a first round wide receiver almost every year, or the the Ravens who just get wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver and not one of them is any good at football. So I'm open to it, but it has to be for the right reasons. And I, I don't know that I've necessarily seen the right reasons presented to me. But I'm again, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm much more open on a lot of things than I've ever been because we have to be, because we have to ask some serious questions right now because we're facing some serious problems. And if we can't, if we're going to be too close minded about, you know, circling the wagons, whether that's Jordan Love or Joe Barry or Matt LaFleur or Brian Gutekunst, then we're not being serious enough about fixing the problem, you know, or, or answering the question, how did we get here? I think maybe that's an important question as well. So again, I'm, I am open to it. And yes, Gutekunst has losses and he has to, he has to eat that. But I mean, I think the biggest thing for me right now with Brian Gutekunst is, you know, a lot of people are really afraid of, of pride. For Mark Murphy, it's just sailing off into the sunset. I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm going to coast my last two years here. For Gutekunst, it's, I'm not going to bail on this quarterback because of my reputation. You know, from you know Matt Lafleur. If if everybody gets hung up on pride, nothing gets fixed. That's that's when I'm going to jump off the train real fast. I one of the biggest things I respected about Brian Gutekunst is when he got in, he just started slashing throats all over the place. He did not care. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. You're not the guy. Then get out. 
that Gutekunst needs to emerge. That Mark Murphy needs to emerge because he ultimately is the guy that did it. We we hit rock bottom and he stepped up and said, enough is enough. You know, Mark uh, Mike McCarthy, is, as much as he was a great guy and everything else, he 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 really was a serious problem for similar reasons that, that Matt LaFleur was. I mean, I, I think the play calling was atrocious. You want to talk about guys never being open. I mean, it was just terrible. How many times did we see third and one and, you know, the the play is to take a shot 20 yards down the field i mean it was every single time when we took a sack i swear it was 50 percent of the time maybe that was aaron Rodgers. i don't know but both rogers and mccarthy were like we got to take deep shots we got to it's like you got to be freaking kidding me but i think the bigger thing was you talk about matt lafleur and his inability to get competent staff when did we ever have that under mike mccarthy we didn't anybody that was good got hired away and he refused to fire anybody ever ever he wouldn't fire it we had dom capers forever and every single coach that was there he never let anybody go ever he refused and so it took until the guy all the way at the top said you know what we're not doing this anymore and he basically fired everybody so we need that mark murphy to emerge and that brian gutekunst to emerge and if gutekunst isn't the guy then murphy needs to step up and do so you want me to maintain my faith in this organization that's what it's going to take we keep hearing about the standard, the standard, the standard. Let's see it. Somebody needs to step up and say, this is not the standard, and something's going to be done about it. Because if that doesn't happen, then I don't have faith in Mark Murphy or Brian Gutekunst or, or Matt LaFleur or anybody else. If this is considered good enough, I, no. <laughs> you can't even look at it and say, well, we don't have any players. First of all, if that's true, Gutekunst needs to be fired because he's been here drafting forever. We have one of the youngest teams in football. You can't say you don't have players. This isn't some team that needs to be tore down and rebuilt. Like, all we got are these free agents and everything. Like, we, we don't have any, you know, like one of those really old teams that just needs to be rebuilt. Like, dude, you are just on the cusp of, like, giving superstars these big contracts like Elton Jenkins and Jair Alexander and Rashawn Gary and, you know, you're paying Aaron Jones, right? And, and you went out and got Devondre, who's really like, I, 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 you, you can't even use that excuse. So I'm actually in a, it's, it's funny because it's almost come full circle. When I first started this podcast was in 2017. And in 2018, I basically just threw up my hands and I said, look, it's either the GM, Ted Thompson, or it's Mike McCarthy. There, there is no other, I mean, or both, but there, there is no situation in which they're both sustainable. Either the players are so bad that Mike McCarthy can't operate with this, which was a fair argument to make, because if you go back and look at 2018, there wasn't much there. You had a quarterback, but what else? It was bad. It was especially on the defense. It was really rough, in which case the GM had to go. If the GM is doing a good enough job and we have players, then the coach needs to go. I mean, there, there's no two ways. Of, there's, no, there's no third option. Aside from, again, they both do. But there's no scenario where they both survive this. And that's kind of the situation we're in now. If Matt LaFleur has nobody to work with, first of all, what the heck are we doing paying all these guys? Mega contracts. That doesn't seem to line up. So if we have guys that are deserving of these contracts, then the attention has to be on Matt LaFleur. So uh, let's get to the second part of Nate's call here. Sorry, I got cut off at the end. Forgot to get my go pack up. <laughs> all right, fair enough. All right, let's take our first break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. Or hit me up on Venmo at Packernet Podcast. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. 
Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. What up, Ryan? Corey from Ohio. I'm just calling in to let you know how crappy the Packers are. Thank you. Oh, wait. You already know. So does the whole world. Man, these guys, whoa. This whole team is rough, dude. Joe Barry's scheme does suck. Don't get me wrong, man, but I don't think we got as many talented players as people think. I know they say, oh, look how many first-round picks are on this defense. But take Eric Stokes for an example. When we drafted him that year, first round, most, 90% of people, he wasn't even the best cornerback on Georgia's team in terms of being pro-ready, total football skills. But he was the most athletic, and that's who we drafted, instead of the other guy, who was still available. I don't think these guys are necessarily the best football players. They're just athletically gifted, and I think that's why the football IQ is not there, and they're just not what they should be. Some of them guys probably wouldn't even have been first-round picks for other teams. Oh, man, it's frustrating. The defense got carved up. Kirk Cousins ate him alive. That offensive line sucks. They're horrible. I don't think Jordan loves it. I will say the only thing to defend him is he he looked a little bit better at times, but it also is not fair to say that we can evaluate him perfectly because I think everything's gone wrong. I think the receivers are young. They don't know what they're doing. We don't have a bona fide number one receiver. We do not. There's nobody on this team that is a true standout number one. The offensive line's a little rough. They're not giving Aaron Jones the damn ball. And Matt LaFleur, I I just don't know why when I watch Green Bay games, the team we play against seems like they got guys wide open all the time. And every ball Jordan's throwing is a contested catch. Like, why do our guys not get 10 yards wide open every single play? I just, I don't get it, man. It's frustrating me to no end. It's getting me so amped up. And our wanted pass rush was supposed to be unbelievable. We got, what, a couple sacks yesterday. One of them was because Cousins hurt his ankle. But we got one sack, I think, the week before. Where's the pass rush then? And even if we do get a little pressure, it doesn't matter because they got somebody wide open they can just throw the ball to real quick as soon as pressure's seen. I don't know, man. I'm frustrated. Three minutes is about to be up. I don't want to get eaten by that monster. Go back, go. Yeah, I mean, first of all, there's a reason I don't ever reference first-round picks um, when I talk about the talent on the team because I don't care when you were picked. Again, Razul Douglas is an example of the talent that we have on the team, not Stokes. Now, I'm not saying Stokes is bad. I have no idea. He had a decent rookie year, then he got hurt, 
Then he was going to come back this year, but he got hurt again and goes straight to IR. I have no idea if he's a good football player. And yeah, I, I you know, the pass rush thing is tough because, you know, the, the, the pressures are certainly there. The sacks, not necessarily. I mean, we're, we're kind of middle of the road team right now as far as the total sacks for the team. And I can't speak for every single situation. Um, but I do know in this Minnesota game, it was frustrating because the pressures were there, but the ball came out so fast. Like it just kept coming out immediately. Like there just was no coverage. It's hard to actually get to the quarterback when somebody's open so quickly, you know, and, and sacks, I mean, you know, data would tell you is, is very largely a function of coverage. That's why I said last year when, when we, lost Rashawn Gary, Joe Barry's initial instinct was to bring extra pressure so that we had extra pressure and the defense was terrible. And the big switch that he made was deciding, no, let's dedicate more to coverage and we'll just do general, you know, we'll just rush four. The sacks went up because it had less to do about pressures and bringing extra guys and more to do with the quarterback holding onto the ball longer. How long the quarterback holds the ball is probably the biggest indicator of how many sacks he's going to take. Very high correlation. So if you want sacks, cover. We got guys. I mean, again, I can we, we can look at the pressures. It'll it'll show you if you show the win rates. They're beating the crap out of the offensive linemen. They're winning a ton. They cannot get to the quarterback in time. You know, and the, the great example of that was, you know, I've mentioned it a couple times. I saw a few people actually found it and put it on social media. When you drop nine and rush two and the tight end is open immediately. I mean, that's just that's just an example of the overall issue. If you can't cover with nine freaking guys in coverage, like, even for a second, you can't cover. That's a serious, serious problem. They're able to scheme somebody wide open immediately and get down the field with nine people in coverage? We're never going to get sacks. Like, it's just not going to happen. doesn't matter how talented. You can give me Joey Bosa. It doesn't matter. Go get Max Crosby. You need time to get to the quarterback. Period. So I, I, I don't have the data to back that up. I just know that was a big issue that I saw in this Minnesota game for sure. And, and it, it largely would speak to the high pressure rate and relatively low sack rate. But yeah, I mean, it just it brings us right back to, you know, do, do we just not have players and we're just randomly paying people that suck? Or do we have players and Joe Barry has no idea how to use them and put them in places to succeed? Or is it we had players and they just decided they don't care anymore? And so now they're playing bad. I... I you know, I don't know. Pick pick your poison, but it ain't working one way or another. Hey, what's going on? It's Omar the Firefighter. How y'all doing? Hey, so I didn't call immediately after the game. Um, I was at the fire station. I couldn't get the uh, day off. Um, I guess that was a good thing because I would owe somebody some time to watch that. But I caught, like, uh, two quarters. Um, I, I did see our only touchdown, and I'm I'm, like, I, I really kind of like, I was, you know, I'm sad to learn that Kirk Cousins is out for the season yeah. because I'm like, now we're not winning games and we're almost, you know, I'm not going to say we're at full strength, but like now with the Vikings losing their QB, they might have the top pick or the second pick. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, you know, I, I got love for Jordan Love. He just was not playing well. So, I figure it's like this. I'm not saying I want us to lose games. I'm I'm not rooting for us to lose games. But at the same time, I'm like, I will sacrifice the remaining season. I will sacrifice all the season to be great for another 10 years. And I got you got two ways of doing that, I say. One 
you draft one of the top two QBs. There's three first round QBs. I forgot uh the third guy's name, but he could be a later round pick. I'll go to that in a minute. Um, a later first round pick. But basically, you draft one of your top QBs. You get a tackle in the second round because you have a high second round pick, which is basically like a first round. All right, and then you know try to get one of these free agent wide receivers, um, and help the defensive line because I think that's the issue. Boom, you got a brand new team, QB competition. If Love is the man, he could beat out the rookie. Cool, you can start. You know, but you got a new team, you got a new tackle. You know, boom, we good. Defense will play better because they got more D-line up. Awesome. Or let's say this. Let's say we lose enough games, but we got the number three pick or number four pick. I still think we should try to trade, get a QB. But let's say we don't. Let's say we don't give Love one more opportunity. You get the best receiver in, in the draft. We're supposed to be like a number one receiver. Easy. That'd be the best receiver we probably ever drafted in like the first round. Yeah. So almost fairly sharp type of skills. So, now, he would help Jordan Love because he would catch these passes that aren't accurate. And then you get a tackle in the second round. And then if he sucks still, which I think a number one receiver would help, they help Justin Fields, then you can draft quarterback next year. But I would do something different, which I will give you my little prospect. I will call right back real quick. Thanks. Yeah, we'll get to that. One thing that um, I would point out is that the Chicago Bears, for the first time, maybe like this season, do not currently have the number one pick. They have picks two and three. Arizona has the number one pick. And as much as everybody probably looks at Kyler Murray and rolls their eyes, they're not getting rid of Kyler Murray because they can't. They just paid him. So that pick is very likely going to be getting traded. Now, maybe the Bears will be able to make him the best offer to get up there, but there are going to be some competition to get up. I mean, Arizona is going to get a freaking haul. Now, I think it's relatively unlikely the Packers would get it because it would have to include a 2025 first-round pick and the draft is going to be in Green Bay. And I know it shouldn't matter, but it probably will. We also are going to have the Jets pick in the second round this year. Uh, we could use that in addition to that first-round pick to potentially get up there. But it is interesting because this is the first time we actually have a legit shot at the number one pick without being the worst team in football. We have the number six pick. So it would be... Kind of interesting to be able to to see how that plays out as far as um, would they, could they get up to the number one pick. Uh, you have to assume they would try, at, at the very least, to, to make some calls and see what they could do because that's that's a heck of an opportunity to get up there. But it would be a hefty, hefty price. Just thought I'd mention it. Also, right now I'm looking at 2025, just kind of seeing what's out there. Um it does not appear to be anywhere near as good of a quarterback market. Now, that obviously could change. It's very early. Um, there are two quarterback prospects uh, that are, I mean, I guess that's pretty similar to this year. There's, there's two early quarterback prospects, not like number one and number two necessarily. It's number three and number six. Cade Klubnik at Clemson and Drew Aller at Penn State. And that, of course, assumes that they come out, which I guess they will if they're that good. But, um, it's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, it's it's Bear Alexander is number one, cornerback number two, then quarterback, tackle, tackle, quarterback, corner, defensive line, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver. So it's it's kind of, I don't know. I, I, just, I see that defensive lineman at the front, and it's like, you know, is that the year we want to have a super early pick? Or I guess the question would be, if we don't get a quarterback but need one, you get a wide receiver, I don't know. 
I guess there's always going to be that top 10 quarterback that's an option. It's just kind of rough to miss out on a season like the one we're at we're in right now where it's it's there are supposedly you never know there, there there's these quote-unquote generational people that go on to do nothing but it's just hard if you have a quarterback in your hands to look at it and go eh let's take marvin harrison and we'll just see what happens i mean hey the jets are winning football games right now what do they got they got a defense which maybe we can sort it out with a new coordinator they got an elite wide receiver terrible offensive line not as good as what we have and a quarterback that isn't necessarily good but is sort of improving i mean his first three games were his worst i mean i don't know i what do i know i'm just saying okay so i went over a couple of things we could do to help the team so this would be i would say worst case scenario which is still be positive we miss out on the first two qbs all right let's say we got the number four pick number fifth pick we couldn't trade up to get one of the qbs okay so you draft the, the tackle, right? So you get the tackle position. Yep. And then, or, you know, you, I would actually say this. I don't know if the tackle will be there if we're picking number five, number six. We'll see. I don't know how many first-round uh, talents to tackle. Look that up for me if you could do that real quick. But if we can get the number one best tackle in the class, draft him. And then... Trade up, trade our second round pick up with a third round pick, or we got two seconds, so trade both our seconds up and uh, move up and take the third QB in the class. Because if he would have came out at any other draft, he would have been the second QB to get drafted. So it's like you said, it's a deep quarterback class, so we could trade up and get the third QB. If you don't want to do that, if you don't want to trade up, we got two second round picks. We get a developmental QB in the second round, kind of like Will Levis type of deal, and and get a wide receiver as well in the second round. I hope we try to find a number one that way. We do a pretty good job with that. Um, and maybe we might have to trade up to get one of those two in the second round. And then, again, quarterback competition, you got a new tackle, you got a new wide receiver. That's literally kind of what I'm and sad to say hoping for. Like, I want the young people to play. Let's play the young people. You know, I would do that. And I think we'll see a tremendous better team if that happens, if we do those things. We will have money in free agency. Uh, I just, just just let it happen. We, just, we come to accept that this season is, is done. I don't know how many more games we need to lose, but we should already be there. If you're not there now, you should be there. Lastly, I'm going to say this, because we'll have plenty of time to go over draft and develop and all this other things that we'll talk about in the offseason. I'm going to just say this. Back in that, we're a big family. I love all you guys and girls. And, you know, Jersey Mike is like the drunk uncle that everybody loves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I like that. Uh, that's my boy. Um, but we got to come together, not really bicker with each other. You know, you might not agree. With some people that Jordan Love is the issue, you might say it's the offensive line. But let's just enjoy recipes, movies, shows, reviews, and football. All right, love you. Bye. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm in agreement with uh, with all that, and that's that's kind of been my focus, and I, and I hope that's been apparent the last couple of days. Um, I mean, look, I've I've made my stance clear, and I will let you know when that stance changes. Um, but I'm I'm not gonna sit here and and just keep you know, closing my eyes and just swinging at everybody, you know. I've said what I said. 
you can come in here and and say your piece and you know what we're all just processing the information that's all we're doing and we're all kind of stupid you know we're all stupid people pretending we're super smart and we're all just hammers in search of a nail and um you know we do our fake uh film reviews and our fake uh you know stat breakdowns and everything else thinking that we're some kind of geniuses and it's like we we don't know we really don't we're 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 giving our best estimates we're doing as much work as we possibly can to uh ultimately at the you know we're we're all ultimately in search of the same goal we're trying to make each other really really happy because we all just want the packers to be awesome that's what we want. We want the Bears to suck, the Lions to suck, the Vikings to suck, the 49ers to explode on the sun, and um, for the Packers to dominate. And there's no reason for us to be furious at each other because none of us are the GM. You know, it gets heated because most of us are dudes, and that's what we do. We say something, you disagree. So obviously I think you're calling me an idiot, so now we got to fight about it. Um, <laughs> that's just how that goes. But... Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's everybody's goal. It doesn't matter what it is you think. Because at the end of the day, again, number one, we don't actually get to figure this stuff out. We're not actually doing anything. So if, if the team blows up, it ain't my fault. I didn't do it. But um, that's we're, we're, we're on the same team. We're searching for the same goal. And we have different ideas of how to get there. Big freaking whoop-de-doo. But... Um, yeah, but and getting back to what you said, and I'm sure I'm going to miss some stuff, but you wanted me to look up the tackles, and there are two guys that are seen in the top ten. And, and the way that I essentially break this down is there's one guy that is sort of seen as the clear consensus top tackle, and he is somebody that I'm positive the Packers are obsessed with. And the reason I say that is he is a very, very pro-ready, polished pass rusher. Six foot six, three nineteen. He's never been anything but elite as a pass blocker he has given up exactly zero sacks in his entire college career he's given up one hit in his college career he's given up 14 hurries ever 15 total pressures over kind of two years he also played a little bit in year three he is remarkable however eh, as a run blocker his grades over the three years 63 59 and 68 he is a green bay packer through and through the guy that packer fans are going to want is a man by the name of Joe Alt. He is seen right now as the number 10 prospect. He is six foot eight, 322 pounds. He is a mauling monster who happens to also be very good as a pass blocker. He's gotten better every single year in his three years. His pass blocking grades have gone from a 76 to an 82, and this year it's a 93. He hasn't had a single bad game as a pass blocker. But on top of his 93 pass blocking grade, which includes one sack, one hit, one hurry, that came over two games, which is to say that over the course of what he's played, looks like nine games. Seven of them had zero sacks, zero hits, zero hurries. On top of that, though, he has an 82 run blocking grade. His lowest run blocking grade of the season was a 62.7. Last year, he had a 91 run blocking grade, and his lowest was his rookie year with a 76 run blocking grade. The guy is an absolute mauling master, uh, monster. Again, at six foot eight. So if we can get to the point where we genuinely believe that he will, he can be an NFL pass blocking tackle he can play left tackle today it's all he's ever played is left tackle which is another reason the packers aren't going to like him he can run block (laughs) and he's only played one position it's tackle which is good but i mean you know you gotta have that flexibility in there granted that's the same with fashanu but i mean this this is the guy i'm looking at going please come on just do it 
you know, he'll 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 be good enough as a pass blocker. He's also just going to pick people up and throw them into the stands on run on rundowns. He's a freaking ogre. Hey, what's up? It's Omar Firefighter calling again. Uh, I was rushing my last call because I was running out of time. Um, I did want to say two things. I want to elaborate on what I said earlier is that, like, we're a big pack in that family. Let's all come together, show each other love, and talk about the things we do, like, keep supporting the podcast. Like, I do a great job. Um, I don't, I don't want people to not listen or not call. Um, again, like I said, we're a big family. So I, I like hearing from y'all. And just wanted to say that. I also want to say thank you. Um, I have made a recommendation that people like, you know, when you call back, like maybe say who you are or some people might call and don't say who they are. I think everybody been doing a pretty good job of that. You know, so everybody got their taglines, yep. you know. Yeah, Chris from Alabama, man, like and and, <laughs> and Jersey Mike and everybody, you know, they got their little sayings, you know. <laughs> and I like that. It's like a, it's almost like a TV show, you know, yep. and – and all of us are part of the show. So that's why I want y'all to keep supporting and keep calling. That's the f- It is funny. Like, I wonder how many people, because everybody calls in, they, they start it the exact same way, which I do think is awesome. Like, when, um, like, what's an example? Like, Jersey, or, um, Joe the Janitor. Hey, Ryan, it's Joe the Janitor from Connecticut. Like, I wonder how many people are sitting in their car saying that out loud to themselves. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. Anyway, sorry. First thing. Uh, second, second thing is this. Everybody has their opinion on how to fix the, you know, franchise. So this is what my request is for everybody. So let's just act like the season goes the way you want to go. How did you fix it? And I want to see who gets the closest. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you will bookmark this episode, but I want people to call and say, all right, this is what I would do. Let's, you know, if you say fire Matt LaFleur, fire Matt LaFleur, hire this person, this is the person you hire, say who you hire. And then if we do that, which I'm sure we won't, but if we do, you can see how it is. Yeah. Or you can see maybe who the coach get hired by. See, is he a good coach or is he a bad coach? I just think it would be a nice thing. If you say, hey, we should, you know, not win any more games, draft this player, do that. And let's just see how it will work out the next year. So literally, like, if you pick a coach, fine, let's see how you, I want to see how his record is. You know, if you're picking a player, even though you might not get the players or position, and let's just see what happens. I guess position to make it a little more safer. But if you're like a gambling person or want to do a little risk, say the player that you will want, you know, the one or two players you will want at that position. Like the first, just do the first two rounds, which you would do with our first three picks. Um, I just think that'd be interesting, nice to hear, and do a little change up for the show so people won't be so sad. So basically, say how you will fix either this season. And uh, or next season, how what you think should happen, and let's see, you know, who gets the closest. Uh, shoot, hell, I'll, I'll send a film or a movie or something. Who gets the closest? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Let me know. But I just think that'd be a nice project. All right, go pack up. Yeah, and I I actually think that'd be kind of cool too. Even if it's not necessarily, you know, a, a, you could do it either way. You could do a prediction to try to get close to what I think is going to, here's what I think is going to happen. I think the Packers, I mean, the trade deadline will be over by the time that this is posted, but, um, you know, the, uh, I, I think the Packers are going to do this, da, 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 da. or just for fun, you know, just call in and say, if I was in complete control of everything, here's exactly what I would do and just lay it out. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would just find it interesting. 
I would get rid of these players and try to get this much in return. I would use that draft capital to do X, Y, and Z. I would, you know, build around Jordan. I would replace the coach with, you know, a defensive-minded coach or what, you know, whatever. It would just be interesting to hear the different things because right now we're so focused on I just hate everybody, which is, you know, fair enough. And you can be as specific or vague as you want to be. If you have a specific coach in mind, say who it is. If you don't, be like, I, I really don't know. I haven't looked into it, but it would be cool to get this kind of a coach, this kind of a defensive coordinator, this kind of a quarterback. I, I want to focus on the trenches. I want to do that. Give yourself an opportunity to be the GM and have complete control and do whatever you want. It would just be interesting to hear what people's different perspectives are on how we can fix this. You know, is this is this a one-year deal? I'm, I'm going to turn this around this year. We're going to go get a, a wide receiver in a trade, like, now. It's going to be, we're going to go get Devontae. That's what's going to fix it. And then, you know, it's going to fix it. And then we got Christian to be sort of the, the number two, the speed guy on the outside. Put Jaden Reed on the inside, like, bing, bang, boom. Good to go. Next year, I focus on tackle in the draft, and we're, we're off and running. I don't know. I, do whatever you want, but I think that would be kind of cool. Call in, and you are the GM. Fix the team. Tell you what, let's take our final break, and we'll hear from Garrett from Southern Illinois. I'll tell you what I'm thinking today, Ryan. All right. I'm thinking that uh, I'm going to con- still continue to scout for potential offensive tackle. Okay. Running back. Yep. Quarterback. Uh, defensive back. Safety. I don't know. Did I just name the whole team? <laughs> sure, it seemed like it. But uh, I guess right now, really look at it. It's a, it's a race to the bottom. The Vikings look like their season is toast. Unless they make a trade to get somebody, they did. They got Josh. Dobbs. Otherwise, it's going to be us, the Vikings, Game and the Bears, for us. Uh, and a race to the bottom for uh, the NFC North. So we'll see who ends up at the bottom. But uh, right now, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's a coin flip. Who's going to be worse, either us or the Bears? I think Vikings still have a chance with their their offensive weapons, but with no quarterback to throw to those guys, I just don't see them win any games either. So it's a crazy, crazy time watching all these players go down with Achilles. Yeah, it's a crazy time. I'm out. It'll be interesting too to see you know how much Kirk Cousins really dragged that team around because you know I, my perspective is he's been a very underrated quarterback. You know um, he's been a top ten quarterback for like a freaking decade um, and hasn't really been recognized as anything but a middling quarterback. Which I guess you know ten is close to fifteen, but still um, you know. And then the last couple of years, I think he's been closer to top five, especially this year with so little top quarterback play. I mean he's up there at the top top. And so, um, you know, if that's the case, then even if Josh Dobbs comes in and is adequate, it's still going to be a big drop off. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm I'm sure it'll it'll help the team more so than the position it was in. But I mean, that's that's rough. I mean, you lose Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. I mean, what that's your offense? <laughs> that would be like in 2020 losing Rodgers and Devontae. Like, okay, well we're done. Hey, Ryan Dan from California. So. Yeah, we're pretty low, aren't we? Well, I'm not going to be like everyone else and say, let's fire this guy. This guy's not going to make it to next year or anything like that. What I want to do is, like, I'm just going to ask just to see something. Because, you know, 
we did fire McCarthy in the middle of the season. I, I don't think that'll be what happens to LeFleur. They would have to take something really bad, like uh, just completely keep this, you know, continuing spiral. But I don't think anybody's getting fired. This is the team we got for at least the next six, six weeks. Well, the, the players will all be here, right? But this is we got to just see everybody. Like the only thing I really want is I just want eleven guys on the field to do their job, one for one play. Because, you know, every play, somebody's making a mistake and not doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's all I want is just to see, you know, a drive, a play of mistake-free football where everybody's on the same page. Like, I don't care about what's going to happen, like, four or five games from now. I don't care about what's going to happen next season because that's going to come up, right? Can we just be on the same page for one play? That's all, that's all I got. You know, Love, he's, he's letting me down because... Like, we, you know, we've seen that he can make, you know, good throws. I've been inaccurate a lot, but we've seen him make the throw and be able to just, in the rhythm, you know, hit the drop and throw it, and then all of a sudden, you know, he just has, you know, he got shook. Now he can't make the throws. Everybody's dropping it. It's just every single piece on the field is making mistakes, and if it's not one person, it's another, and if, it's, if it seems like everybody did something right, we get a flag, so... Just, just give me 11, just give me 11 guys doing something right with no penalty. That's all I'm asking. Go back, go. Yeah, I mean, it makes evaluation hard. I mean, you know, a lot of people are pointing out it's hard to evaluate Jordan Love because of the play of the wide receivers and the offensive line and everything else, but it's also hard to evaluate the wide receivers based on the play of Jordan Love, in my opinion. You know, it's like, well, we got to give up on these wide. We don't have a number one and da-da-da-da-da. It's like, you know... How much higher would we think of certain players if we started seeing some of these completions? Like, what if that pass to Christian Watson wasn't over his head and he caught that for a touchdown? Do we have a higher opinion of Christian Watson? Of course. What if that had happened numerous times? The The point is, it's not necessarily that these are elite receivers, but it's just, it's hard to know because we're not maximizing the opportunities. If every single time, which is never going to be the case, but let's just say as a thought experiment, every single time these guys are open, the ball is hitting them in stride and they're able to catch and run. We have a significantly higher opinion of Musgrave, of Reed, and Dobbs, and Watson. We have a low opinion of them because their production is low, and their production is low largely because when they're open, the ball does not get to them, either because it's not thrown, or it's thrown too late, or too high, or too low. So the the, the big issue, one of the big issues is it's hard to even evaluate this year. It's hard to even get to the part where we say, this person stays and this person goes. So you're right. We, we need to just see cohesive football so that we can evaluate. I want to see everybody at their best and then just see, is it good enough? Because right now, nobody's playing and it's just not functioning. You know, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it, that's, I guess that's the point. Ryan, Kyle from Madison. Okay, buddy, step away from the ledge. We're going to need you to go ahead and just surrender all of your forks, knives. You keep doing that and I don't know why. I think I'm doing all right. Any sharp objects, um, just go ahead and put them on the, on the curb, okay? Um, man, it's so funny. Like, listen, I was just listening to your uh, podcast uh, from Sunday night, and where you've, you've pretty much had enough. <laughs> and it's so funny because, like, I'm on the other side of things, as I said in my call a couple hours after the game. Like, I actually feel a little bit more positive than I felt. It's so interesting because then I go, you know, listen to podcasts and things, and then there's like, you know, 60% of the people are on the other end of it are just done. Um, 
like to me, I, I don't know. I, I just kind of feel like from the positive, it's like, well, I don't think the team has given up. I'm not really into the body language police thing. Like if somebody's laughing on the sidelines, like, beat, like you don't know what they're talking about. Like they're human beings. I'm not going to do that. I don't need people crying real tears after they don't get a third down in order to like feel like the team hasn't quit. Like I don't think they've quit. I think they keep trying. And I, I like that. And again, I mean, I just, like I said yesterday, it's self-inflicted. You know, they're one bad throw, one drop, one penalty away from winning a lot of these games. So, um, as ugly as it is, and, you know, I don't know, it's, it, it's tough, but I also feel like, you know, they're due, I think in the next few weeks, they're probably going to put it together for a game or two, and I don't know. I'm still just waiting to hear, like, what was the thing that you saw that was positive? Because I, I still don't know what that was. Like I said, I, I said last time, like, I'm excited to hear your perspective on it, and so far I don't think I've heard what was the thing that you saw that was like, man, this is awesome. Like, saying that they were one play away but couldn't do it because every single time they had an opportunity they messed up, I don't see that necessarily as a positive. You don't think they've given up, but I don't know necessarily what that's based on. You know, I think they're going to put it together. I mean, that's fine. That's just optimism. But, like, what did you see that made you think, I feel like we're headed in the right direction? Or am I misconstruing what it is that you're actually saying? Well, what that means, other than maybe they just have one game where they kind of explode offensively and then they go back into their hole. I don't know. Um, but I feel a little more optimistic, I guess. I just, I saw some things, small improvements, small improvements in run blocking. Did you? Um, some, some better stuff in pass blocking, still terrible penalties, that kind of thing. Um, and the thing that gives me pause, man, is two things, and I'm totally going to get cut off here, but I think they're kind of important because, like, it's not Madden. Um, each player doesn't live inside of a, you know, a sealed tube where they're playing their game and getting their PFS grade and doing their things. Like, they're part of a giant series of cogs, you know, the machinery of the machine, uh, of the team. So, for example, you know, like, love, you know, if he, if guys touched the ball early on when it was some drops and penalties, you know, what, so what does that do to a guy? Like, how does that impact you later in the game? You get into a rhythm, right? And those are some things like we just haven't seen. Same thing with the receivers. Like, the ball's there, they catch it, they get into a rhythm. How does that impact them later in the game? I will call back. Yeah, right. I mean, that that's part of the larger issue is they can't get into a rhythm, and that's been the whole the whole thing but I mean that's that's it's not like an infection from the outside it's it's a defect in them that's the problem you know it's like well they can't catch but if they could just catch then you know everything would be fine it's like I understand but the fact that they can't catch is the negative so I mean I get what you're saying but I that's that's part of the overall issue that gives people a sense of pessimism yeah, Kyle again. So, I mean, it's not it's not quite as simple as like how the performance is the performance, but in some ways, um, you know, your past results do affect the future performance through the flow of a game. You know, like you get confidence in a route and it's there and they're catching it, or the balls where it should be. I do think that has like this 
snowballing positive effect on things. In fact, it's kind of a, a miracle that our team actually musters any offensive productive production in the second half at all, um, which is what impresses me, honestly, because they're just so dead in the first half, and it's it's just self-inflicted. But they, they have been able to get things going despite anything that should give them confidence at all in the first half. Um, you know, you were saying, all right, we're done with, you know, love, we're done with whoever, the coach. The only thing I would say to caution about that is, okay, let's just say love's trash, and I'm not trying to use love for a – I don't care about the argument. I'm just saying, if you're going to say we've evaluated, he's trash, blah, 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 well, then everybody's trash. Because, like, we, cause we, we don't know about love, right? Our sample size isn't big enough. But we know about Jair Alexander. We know he's a great player, but he's not. He's terrible. Valentine- what, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. I mean, my perspective on it is I have confidence in Jair because I've seen what he's able to do over a long stretch of time. Jair's had like three bad games battling through an injury. There's no way you can compare that to a guy that's never proven anything ever. He's never had a good game in his entire NFL career. He was terrible against the Chiefs. He had nine passes against the Eagles. He was pretty bad in training camp. It was subpar through the preseason because, again couldn't get started, took him a while to get warmed up, and he has not had a single good game in the regular season. It's not comparable. There there are guys that have bad games. There are guys that have bad stretches. There are questions as to why some guys are falling apart, and that could go to leadership. That can go to a lot of other things, but there's still reason for confidence that they can play at a higher level because we've seen it. You don't accidentally end up as the number one corner in football. That's not a thing that happens. He's a good football player because I know he is because I saw him do it. Love has proven nothing. So they're vastly different, the two, Jair and and um, Jordan Love. And you, you're right to say that we maybe don't have a big enough sample size, but we got a pretty big sample size. And it's all pointing in one direction. And, um, you know, I just looked at it the other day, like how many quarterbacks haven't had a good game? And I think there were like four of them. And most of them haven't played as many games as Jordan Love. You know, it's it's uh, the Colts rookie quarterback that's out for the year, and like Josh Dobbs, and it's just you know, it's it's a it's not a good group of guys. So you know, yeah, he he doesn't have a big enough sample size. Yeah, but the times run. This season is half over, and remember, the GM said we'll know what we have by midseason. So it's that clock has stopped. It's done. It's done. And so pretending like, well, you know. We, we still have this year. We still have next year to see something. I mean, maybe, maybe, but, you know, th- this this thing where it's like, well, we got to wait, we got to wait, we got to wait. We said that after week one, after week two, after week three, after week four, after week five, after week six, after week seven, after week eight. Like, at what point can we look at what's happening and say, I don't think this is good? I said, same better than Jair this year. Sorry. True. Or at least neck and neck. So it's like even the players we know are awesome are terrible, are like replaced. Right, so the, I mean that's that's a question of, of why is that happening. And you can look to Joe Barry as being a problem in terms of his ability to get the best out of the players. You can look at Matt LaFleur and you can look at the culture and you can look at a lot, a lot of different things, the attitude. You said you don't want to police body language, but that's all we have to work with. Jair having a really bad attitude right now. That has nothing to do with him not being a good player. He is. And there's every reason to believe they can get back there. And that's that's the biggest question we have is how do we get these guys back to what we know that they can be? Because that's a good football team. 
And that needs to be the question. Who do we need to put in charge to get the best out of these guys? Because the best out of them is is something special. What's the best out of Jordan Love? What's his ceiling? Have we seen it? When do we get to see his ceiling? At what point? Is it 2025? 2027? When, when does that happen? Basement level freaking players this year. So I just worry, like, okay, we're going to replace Love. We're going to replace whoever. We're going to replace this person. Okay, well, even our all-pro players are playing terrible. Elton Jenkins, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark. I mean, these players are playing. Kenny Clark is playing like he's always played. I mean, Kenny Clark is the same guy he's always been. He starts off hot, and then he fades into the sunset. Um, Elton Jenkins has been slow getting started, and he's starting to get back into form. And again, Jair is is tough to evaluate because he hasn't played very much. He's had an injury all year. He's played just a handful of games. It hasn't necessarily been up to standard, and he certainly seems to not have a good attitude, whatever. But again, I don't see how any of this is comparable to looking at players that have never produced. I mean, it's 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 not a good compare. It's it's closer to you'd want to compare him to. I don't want to say Royce because Royce has just been terrible, but at least Royce showed something good. It's just it's it's a guy that you look at and just say at some point. Enough is it's like more like Josiah Deguara. You know, you want it to be a thing. You want it to be a thing. You keep thinking if he has more opportunities and you give him this, and maybe if we change the scheme and maybe Rodgers just doesn't like him, if we get love in there, maybe it'll do this and maybe and maybe and maybe. And at some point, you just go, you know what? It's not enough. And yeah, he had a long time, but he had too much time. And I, I think the only reason he hung on that long is because he didn't really play very much. It wasn't a very pivotal piece, and we didn't really spend a lot of resources trying to replace him, at least not until this year, um, because it's not as important as, let's say, oh, I don't know, quarterback. So they're probably not just going to punt on the most position, most important position of football like they did with Josiah DeGuara. So, no, I'm not advocating for getting rid of everybody that's struggling at time. And again, Kenny Clark has proven to be elite in a lot of categories over many, many games. Now, overall, is he good enough? No, and it's been a disappointment for a long time. But that's not even comparable to Jordan Love. When has he ever been the top of any category ever? He hasn't. He had a bunch of touchdowns early on very limited throws, which was always kind of fluky. But, you know, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's real simple. He has to be better or he has to go. And we can keep trying to twist it and, and find these weird little angles to be like, well, if you get rid of him, you got to get rid of Jair. Like, no, I don't. No, I don't. Jair's a good football player who isn't playing at his best. Maybe it's because of his back. I don't know. Maybe it's his attitude. Maybe it's the scheme. I have no idea what it is. But you don't get rid of it. You, you fix the problem. They're, they're very different things. For When I look at Jair, I say, how do we get him back to what he was? When I look at Jordan, it's, you have to show me that you can be an NFL quarterback. At some point, prove to me you can be that guy. That has never happened. Not one time since he's been here. Terribly. So I'm just worried that our evaluations are going to be really off because players we know are good that have done it, that have the receipts, right. are playing awful. Right, and it, well, and first of all, that's not everybody. Um, and second of all, Jordan isn't one of those guys. He's not in that category. He's in a different category. He's in a category of guys that has never proven anything, and if he doesn't step it up, I mean, he's he's maybe you can call him Tucker Craft. Like, you know, it's early. We'll see how it goes. He can certainly turn it around, but so far, it's not looking great. <laughs> so... If that's happening, like, how do we know that's not happening on the other end of the ball? I just, I'm a little hesitant about that, considering the state of the team. Um, and 
what the hell else was I going to say? I had another point. Um, and as far as, like, I'll be interested, man. Like, if LaFleur can manage to not lose this game, I'll be impressed. Because I do think maybe he got some assurances from – I think people knew it was going to be rough this year. Yeah. And they probably said, like, hey, Matt, you know, no matter what happens, it's cool. The problem with that is if the team starts to see you as a loser, if they start to not hear you anymore, yep. then all the assurances in the world don't matter. you got to go. And so that I, I am concerned about that. But overall, like, I feel a little bit better. 2%, 5%. Anyway, a little optimism. Take care. I still don't know why, but... Um, I'm glad that you feel more optimistic, and and that is my concern. Is Matt Lafleur has already lost the locker room, and I don't know that, but I just I've never felt like the guys really massively rallied around Matt Lafleur. Obviously, I wouldn't know that. It's just a feeling. But you know, you watch what's happening, and it's like, man, this does not seem like a team that's just massively motivated. It seems like you know they're showing up to work on Monday, and they can't wait to go home. They can't wait for the weekend. You know, you go to Green Bay, you try to put on a show so you get your big contract, and then you just, you know, you're playing for the weekend. Can't wait to just, you know, punch your card and do your job and then get out of there. I mean, is your motivation a Super Bowl or what? what is it? Is it just get that big check? Is this the last time we're going to see Rashawn Gary because he got paid and now he's going to fade into the sunset or what? But that that ultimately is the question. Has Matt LaFleur lost the locker room? Because if he has, it's done, and there's no fixing this, and it doesn't matter how good of a play caller he is. If, if he hasn't, then we can talk about continuing. I'm not going to know that, but that's going to be an assessment that's important for the Packers to make. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you for all your calls, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. 